And we're going to ask the children to make their way to junior church, and we're going to turn this morning to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 1 there. And as the kids are making their way, I just was asked to let you know that the the bathrooms, the new bathrooms are available now. So they're ready for use. Also, I have to apologize. You're on your own this morning. There's no overhead. Uh, Ginger was put in the hospital last night with a a blood infection. And uh, so I wasn't about to do it. (laughs) Because I don't even know how to do it. (laughs) And so I'll, I'll try to help remember to announce point one or point two so that it gives you help in taking the notes. But if, if you miss them, you can see me afterwards, and I'll, I'll try and fill them in for you. Ephesians chapter 6, then. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Years ago, a man and his wife were watching a commentary on TV on rebellious kids. And uh, the husband turns to his wife and says, where did we go wrong? And uh, his wife looked at him and said, we had kids. <laughs> we, we, we laugh at that, but in all fairness, I, I think if we were to talk to the kids today, they would say, we didn't ask to be born. We, we, didn't, we didn't ask to be part of this family. We, we didn't have a choice in the matter. The fact is, the Christian home today is under tremendous attack. There are many forces that are seeking to tear apart the, the Christian home. Sometimes it's activities, uh, sports and school. I, I remember visiting with a family in South Dakota. They had uh, six kids, actually, and most of them were still in high school and late grade school there and they said to me on one occasion they said you know if we have one meal together a week as a family we're doing good because it was a small community everybody had to be in the school system involved in everything and those kids would be gone from seven o'clock in the morning till sometimes nine or ten o'clock at night and so uh it was no wonder they were having some problems in, in, in their home. Sometimes it's the economy. Uh, other times it's just a matter of priorities. God's intention for the Christian home is given in Psalm 127, where uh, he, he says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so children, the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They shall not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gates. I believe that the Christian home is, as we looked last week, the relationship with a husband and wife is a picture of Christ and the church. I believe the Christian home is also used of God today as a tremendous testimony to the world. And it should be an area where Christ is seen and glorified in our lives. What is God's plan for the home? Again, we go back to the question of submission again. This passage comes out of chapter 5, verse 21, where he says we are to be in submission to to one another. That includes 
parents and kids, not just kids here. But as we look at this passage, many of us are saying, well, you know what? Our kids are already gone, so we can take a nap today. We don't have to wrestle with what's going on here. Well, I don't think that's quite true. Psalm 78 in verse 5 and 6, the psalmist said, For he established a testimony in Jacob, but appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded to our fathers that they should teach them to their children that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children. What is he saying in there? As parents, we had the responsibility to raise our children. And then guess what? God gives us a responsibility to be a blessing to our grandkids as well. We, we are to be able or, or seeking to communicate the, the grace of God, the, the wisdom of God, not just to our kids, but to our grandkids as well. So maybe your kids have left home, but you still have a responsibility to, to them and, and to your, your grandkids as well. The, the, only, the beautiful thing about grandkids is when you get tired of them, you can send them home to mom and dad. But you, you have a role to play in, in each of their lives as well. So we want to look at what is God's plan for, for, for the family. This is a radical message in Paul's day. Uh, if you recall, on one occasion, they brought little children to Jesus, and the disciples pushed them away and said, hey, don't bother the master, he's busy. And Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. In his day, uh, especially in the Roman society, they had a very cruel view of children. The little children were nothing more than slaves. Uh, they worshiped might and power. They would often discard by putting them out on the street or out in the trash heap uh, a child that was sick or, or weak that they didn't want. Now, we don't do that today. We just do it before the child's born. We, we call it a medical procedure so we can get away with it there. But uh, I think God has something to say about that as, as well. He, he gives a command here, first of all, two commands to the children. And children, the first one is, he says, obey your parents. Again, that goes back to chapter 5, verse 21, where he said, submission, if you remember as we looked at that, has nothing to do with a person's worth or ability. It has to do with this is the God-given role that he has for you at this point in time. And so he comes with a very strong command. He says, children, obey your parents. Incidentally, this is an aside, but uh, wives, you might like it, so I, I thought I'd throw it in here. Nowhere in Scripture does he say, wives, obey your husband. I thought that was part of the marriage ceremony. It actually was added to the marriage ceremony back in the 16th or 17th century, but it, it's, it's not coming out of the Bible there. Now, you can take that for what it's worth. I, I don't want a bunch of rebellious wives on my hand and, and, and blamed on me, but it, it, that's not necessarily what the Scripture has to say about that relationship there. But it does say, children, obey your parents. Now, notice the qualifier here. Uh, number one is the qualifier. He says, obey them in the Lord. What is he saying in that? He's saying Jesus Christ is Lord. He comes first. And, and uh, the uh, uh, same idea is given in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, 
where Peter and John were on trial for their faith, for sharing their faith. And they were brought before the Sanhedrin, and, you, and they were commanded not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter says, we ought to obey God rather than man. And the same thing is true in any area of authority today. If we are commanded to do something that contradicts the word of God, God comes first. We have to be willing to put him first, even though we may suffer the consequences for that. As long as the parents' command doesn't contradict the word, then the responsibility is to obey and to to submit to to their authority. But if it contradicts God's word or God's will for that child, then I think they have the right to take a stand against that command. I remember as a young person in college, I had a got hit with appendicitis my senior year of college and wound up in the hospital and, and I come out of the hospital and, and my dad calls and says, it's time to quit college, it's time to come home and uh, we'll get you a job working here. And, and uh, I had already started investigating going to the mission field and so forth and, and uh, I, I said, I really can't do that. I, I have to follow the path that, that God has chosen for me. Uh, and, uh, and I did. And I, I think it, it was right in that the command that my dad was giving me was not in accordance to what God was giving. And so we, we, the qualifier is do it in, in the Lord. But as I say that, then parents, you have the responsibility not to put unrealistic expectations on your kids. Uh, to go beyond what God would have for them or to put on them unbiblical standards as well. The kids will get frustrated if you do. And, and, you know, one of the things that frustrates me, uh, I'm going to share one of my frustrations this morning. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. But I, over the years, I've observed that when kids have a problem, a lot of times the first thing that the parents do is ground them from going to youth group or Awana or Sunday school or whatever. I always say, why in the world would you do that? Why not ground them for saying, okay, you can't take part in the game tonight? Oh, we can't do that. that that's an important part of life. Well, uh, parents, be careful what you're teaching your kids in those decisions. You're telling them it's okay to skip what God wants to do in their life, but not what the world wants to do. Uh, so that that's just one of my pet peeves with working with kids there. But be careful that you don't put those unbiblical uh, stumbling blocks in the way of your kids there. The the second thing we look at here is the reason for for this command. He says, this is right, this is the natural order of things. Uh, The, uh, when I I think about that, I I think, why in the world would God do that? Why, Why would he give that authority to the parents? Well, someone has wisely said, Life is too short to make all the mistakes yourself. And, and mom and dad have probably made their share of mistakes. And so they come with that wisdom behind them, and they, they're able to say, look, if, if, if you're going to do this, this is the consequences there. And, and wise is the child that learns to listen and learn from the mistakes of their parents rather than having to learn it all themselves. If you want to learn it all yourselves, kids, you can do that, but you pay a price for that. And then the third thing is the promise there. He says that it may be 
well with you, that you may live long on this earth. Now, when he says live long there, he's not necessarily talking about an old age there. That, that may be, that may not be. But the idea is that the quality of life will be improved if, if you follow God's command. It's not necessarily dealing with quantity, it's dealing with quality there you will reap the benefits of obeying the Lord as you walk through this life. The second command that he gives to children here is to honor your parents. Now, that goes beyond obedience now. The the word that he uses carries the idea of respect, of putting value on your parents. You may not fully agree with mom and dad. Uh, any, Any of you kids ever disagree with mom and dad? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and you're an adult yeah, you're still dis- disagreeing <laughs> yeah, okay uh, but he said I want you to honor them to respect them respect the f- fact that this is the one that God chose for you um, and I think that goes beyond just when we're at home uh, when we, we leave home and we're on our own uh, I think that deals with how do we treat our aging parents you know, you ever want to just shove them in a home somewhere and forget about them? Or, or do you have a responsibility to be involved in their life and, and, and to minister to their needs? I mean, they minister to your needs. Uh, there comes a time, I, somebody has wisely said revenge is living old enough, long enough to be a burden to your kids. <laughs> and uh, when, when they reach that point where they seem to be a burden, that's the time when God says, Honor them. Respect what they've done for you. Be there for them. They were there for you. Now here is your opportunity to, to be a blessing to them. Uh, I, I was blessed last night and this morning. I heard from all three of my kids. All three of them said, do you want us to come? Uh, and I said, well, no, not at this point. But uh, if it progresses farther, maybe. But uh, it, it was just a, a blessing to know that they cared. And do we really care when, when our parents are struggling? Do, do we care about them? And uh, do, do we honor them because of the sacrifice and the commitment they made for us? We, we need to be there for them as well. So it, it's not just the kids that he's talking about in that verse. It's, it's you and I if our parents are still living. And even if they're not still living, do we honor their memory? Do, do we speak well of them? Do, do we... Uh, think about the blessings that they brought into our life or, or, or do we uh, just tend to forget about all that they, they did for us there well then he turns to the parents the text now says fathers so he's putting that seems like that responsibility on the shoulders of the fathers but uh, as I think about that I think of the society in which he was writing in the Roman society the father was the, the sovereign autocrat of the home he could do as he pleased with the children. He could sell them as slaves. He could punish them by putting, even putting them to death if he chose to. He even had the right to choose their marriage partner. Now, kids, uh, I think most of you would probably not like that idea today, to think that mom and dad's going to choose the one that you're going to marry. Uh, that, uh, that doesn't sit well with kids today. But uh, I, I think as we look at this passage, we need to remember God's original intention was for mom and dad to be involved in raising the children and so just as so often in the new testament we read that word brethren 
that encompasses not just the men, it encompasses the men and the women as well. I, I think that that's what he's doing here with the word fathers. Yes, the father was in charge, but uh, it, it includes mom as well. So uh, remember that the two of them were to, to be a complement to one another. And, and so as he writes to the father, he's also writing to the mother here. Both have the responsibility of, of doing the two commands that are given here. And the first command that he gives to parents is, do not provoke your children to wrath. Now, kids, you're free to daydream at this point in time. You don't need to know what he says to mom and dad. You can just uh, think about something else. But uh, the modern translation of don't provoke your children to wrath is literally do not abuse your children. It may be physical abuse. It might be psychological uh, abuse. But what he's saying in that is you need to remember that each child is a unique gift of God. Have you ever marveled how in the same family kids are so different uh, every one of them, I mean, they're raised by the same parents. They're, they're raised in the same environment. They have the same standards. And they're as different as day and night. We need to recognize that. And we need to, to work with each child as a, an individual there. I, I think if we put this in a positive sense here, he would say to us, handle those kids with care. They're a precious gift from God to you. Be careful. How you, how you treat them and what, what you do with them. Uh, the word ex- exasperate here uh, means to go into resentment here. And if, if we put unrealistic expectations on them or, or we misuse our authority as parents, we can goad them into resentment. And we've missed what God wants us to do there. And we need to be careful how, how we treat those, those children. We can do that by putting them down by having unrealistic expectations for them rather than encouraging them. I, I, I remember years ago, a young man had come to Christ under a ministry back in South Dakota. Had, uh, at that time, I think three small children. Uh, one was in grade one, the other two were smaller than that. But uh, Brent was uh, a sports fanatic. And so he had his kids in sports. And here is a, a team, and it always amazes me how they do this, but a, a team of four or five, six-year-olds playing a basketball game. They're out there on the court, and, and uh, Brent's desire was for his, his son to be a basketball star. And so as the team was playing and the kids make, of course, at that age, they make mistakes. Uh, and uh, he was yelling at the kids, uh, pay attention, do, do this, on and on it went. And finally, the referee turned around and looked him right in the eye and said, Brent, give them a break. They're just kids. And it was as if the Spirit of God was speaking to him and about broke his heart. And that when he realized what he was doing there, he, rather than helping the kids, he, he was communicating, you, you're just failures. You're not doing the, the job right here. You need to get your act together and... and uh, the kids were, have, were struggling with that. We don't want to do that with our kids. We, we want to encourage them to be all that they can be in a positive sense, not, not in a negative sense there. Uh, we can exasperate them by ignoring them, uh, by failing to listen to them, by trying to force them into our mold. You, you know, you ever think your kids should be just like you? Uh, uh, 
I, I still don't know whether I should forgive my kids for this or not, but uh, every one of our three kids hated math. And I'm a math teacher. <laughs> I, I don't know why one of them didn't come up with that idea that the best subject you can have in school is math, but, but every one of them struggled with it, with it there. And that's okay, because they weren't called to do what I had to do. They were called to do what God has them to do. And uh, we, we got through math somehow together, but uh, it wasn't always easy. But we need to recognize God's gifted each of them differently, and we don't need to provoke them to wrath. We need to work with them and cooperate with what God wants to do in their lives. And then we also have the command here that we are to instruct them. The word that he uses for instruct here literally means we are to disciple them. We are to teach them. Uh, it, it involves more than, than the rod here. Uh, it, it's the same word that he uses back in chapter 5, verse 22, where it, it speaks of the fact that Christ nourishes and cherish, cherishes the, the, the church there. That's the same word that, that he's using in, in this passage. The goal is, as parents, we have the responsibility to help them become all that they can be in Jesus Christ. We have to feed them, nourish them in the word of God. We have to bring them up in such a way that it makes it easier for them to accept Christ as Savior and to walk with Christ as they go through life. I, I remember sitting down with a father years ago. He had his oldest son was the same age as our, our son, and they were best buddies at, at that time in life. Well, matter of fact, they still communicate on a regular basis with, with each other there. And, and I, I remember sitting down with the father, and he said, well, you know, he said, we just have to let the kids go out and sow their wild oats, and then a few years down the road, they'll come back and uh, follow the Lord. I don't think we need to encourage kids to sow their wild oats. As a matter of fact, I think we have the responsibility of seeking to prevent them from sowing their wild oats. They don't need a life of regret. They, they don't need to look back on their, their childhood and say, I wish I hadn't done this or I wish I hadn't done that. They need to know what God expects of them, and they need to, to live that out in their lives. And the, the way that they're going to find that out is for mom and dad to sit down and share with them their life, the, the word of God, and what, what God has done in and through them and, and how they can live for Jesus Christ. Your responsibility is to prepare them for life. Prepare them to be a witness and a testimony for the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, I know today the temptation is to say, well, we'll let the school do that, or we'll let the church do that. Have you ever stopped to think how much time the, the church has in the life of your kids? Maybe two or three hours a week at the most. How many hours do you have to invest in their life? And, and, and so that responsibility falls not Necessarily, the church can help you in that process, but that responsibility, if you're a parent, is yours. God's given those kids to you, and he expects you to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And so as we think about that, two questions. Kids, how are you doing? Are you honoring your mother and father? Are you being obedient to what it is that they're asking of you today? Uh, or are you rebelling against them in, in some area? And, and if you are, what are you going to do about that? Because God says that that's not right. 
you, you have that responsibility to, to submit to the authority of your parents there. But then I would say to the parents, how are you handling your responsibility? How are you treating the kids that, that God gave to you? And I realize many of you have kids that are, are away from home, but you still have a responsibility to demonstrate to them the character of Christ, to reveal Jesus Christ to them in, in a way that is meaningful and so forth. So how are you doing in not only not provoking them, but how are you doing in instructing them and showing them the right way and showing them uh, what, what they should, should be doing? You know, that never ends as long as we're in this life. That They may be at home, they may be on their own, but many times they come back as children or as adults and they have questions. How do we handle this? What, what, what do we do in this area? And, and you've been down that road before, so you have the opportunity to, to speak into their life and to build, still build godly principles into their life. Are, are, are you seeking to do that? And then what about your parents? Are you seeking to be a blessing to them as well? if they're still alive? Are you honoring them and allowing God to work through you to be a blessing to them? These are areas that I think we need to wrestle with as, as we approach the Lord's table today because he has given us these commands. This is our responsibilities to, to live out today. So as we think of what he has said here to each of us, and not everyone here is a parent, but everyone here is a child, and we have to wrestle with aspects of, of this command. So I'm going to give you just a moment to spend in silent prayer. If you haven't lived out these principles as you should, maybe you need to ask the Lord's forgiveness. He's quick to forgive. And maybe you need to ask, Lord, how do I move on from this point? How can I be a blessing to the kids? Maybe, maybe I haven't been as much as I should have, but... How can I from now on live out these commands to the glory of Jesus Christ? So spend some time in silent prayer here with me for just a moment.